In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. Welcome to September. This is our first episode of the month of September, and I wanted to start with just some gratitude. We had quite an influx of new listeners in the month of August, and also a lot of written reviews were shared, and I always love written reviews. They're one of my favorite things to read. You don't get a lot of feedback as a podcaster because it's a one-way medium, so written reviews for me is one of the greatest compliments, I guess, to read. I have a goal too. I will be coming up on my 50th episode here within the next few weeks. And also our one year anniversary will be in November. And I would love if we could hit 100 written reviews. If you are someone who has not left a written review and are finding value from the show, a huge compliment would be to head over to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash review and walk through the steps to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Today's written review comes from Kello Rio. Adventure anytime, anywhere. I love listening to Ordinary Sherpa. Heidi is a wonderful and engaging host who feels like a friend, even though we've never met. Whether you are an experienced traveler, an at-home activity guru, or simply adventure curious, Ordinary Sherpa has something to offer. I personally enjoy listening because it reaffirms my commitment to enjoy exploring my hometown as much as those I've traveled to around the world and the seemingly oddball stops along the way. My favorite features are the reference to brown signs, the idea of getting local guides to share their go-tos and the key takeaways and mini adventures that Heidi curates in her own family and challenges the rest of us to take action on. Thanks for all the great content and motivation. I love it. Thank you, Cal Rio. I really appreciate those just thoughtful words. It's so inspiring. I'm going to read one more today from Cubs Fan 2011. Get adventuring. This is a fun, practical, and applicable podcast for families looking for adventure. Oh, and did I mention inspiring? Within a few days of listening, our family had our one and three-year-old out on a canoe on a day trip we've been meaning to take for months. Get listening and get adventuring. Both of those, I just love. Thank you so much for those inspiring words. If you know someone who could benefit from the content of this podcast, I'd encourage you to share it with them. Or if you're finding value and would like to leave a written review, again, go to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash review. It helps Ordinary Sherpa get exposed to others. Today's guest is Martha Montague. Martha has been adventuring in the outdoors since she was 12 years old and spent many weekends backpacking, climbing, and skiing, never finding herself doing anything short. She through-hiked the Appalachian Trail and John Muir Trail, preferred multi-pitch all-day climbs, overnight backcountry ski tours, climbed mountains like Mount Chasta and Mount Kenya, and did a six-month trip around the world, and then met a partner who also loved those things. They wanted to have kids, but also wanted to figure out how to do all the things with kids while also still working. When they had their first kid in 2009, they started to try to figure out how to keep adventuring. There weren't as many resources online back then, and some people suggested maybe their adventures were over. 
Through the years, they have found ways to make adventures happen with their two kids, currently 9 and 11. Martha worked in manufacturing since finishing grad school and really loves operations, optimization, and continuous improvement. She put her skills to use by creating the Outdoor Kid Handbook as a resource to help parents simplify the process of getting their families out on adventures frequently. On that site, she also collates information and resources like lists of Facebook groups by area and topic, lists of bike tours by location, and many more options. Martha, I am so excited to dive deeper into your story and the resources you're compiling. Thank you so much for joining me on Ordinary Sherpa. Thank you so much, Heidi. I'm super excited to talk to you as well. Let's start just with this story. At 12 years old, what was it about your background that introduced you into adventure? Did you start off rock climbing? Were you just from a family that did those types of things? Or how did you dip your toe into some of these pretty epic adventures? So since I was a kid, we did a lot of camping. So my dad was a high school teacher and had summers off. So we that was a cheap way to go out and uh, take vacations in the summer when we were kids. And then one spring, we got a flyer in the mail for a summer camp that was an environmental education summer camp. And it sounded like fun. I'd never been to summer camp before. And I convinced my parents to sign me up for it. And at the end of the month-long summer camp, they did a three-night backpacking trip up in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, where you stayed at the huts for a couple of nights. And that was really my first introduction to backpacking. And I, I loved it. And we hiked right near the Appalachian Trail. And I remember seeing the sign when we were there that said, oh, this way so many miles to Mount Katahdin in Maine, this way so many miles to Springer Mountain in Georgia. And I just said, hey, that sounds like fun. I should go do that. So that was really how I got inspired to do it. And that just became a thing then, right? You, so you obviously have accomplished that goal. I don't, haven't talked to many people who have done both John Muir and Appalachian Trail. What was that like? When did you decide that was going to be the thing? When did you actually accomplish that? So I finished it. Um, I did it right after graduating from undergrad. And we graduated about seven or eight days into June. So since you need, if you start in Georgia, you have to get up to Maine before the snow hits. It really meant that I had to start in Maine and go south. And I had a good friend from college who I somehow convinced to go with me. And it was really fun because we got to do it together. But it had been something I'd been planning for, you know, maybe 10 years and, and researching gear and figuring out all the logistics, you know, and there weren't that many resources back then online because the internet was still newer. Yeah, the golden ages like that. That was a time <laughs> where it didn't exist, right? Oh, yeah. And then so you meet your husband and you begin traveling. Obviously, he's very interested in all of this. So what were some of the things you guys did together? How did that relationship build out your adventure story? Well, I had skied a little bit, but when I met my husband, I pretty much only skied in Wisconsin, in the small mountains in Wisconsin. And um, when I met him, we were living in California, and he said, well, if you want to see me in the winter, you have to ski. And I was not the greatest skier, but I wanted to keep seeing him in the winter. So what I did was we would go up, we'd stay with his friends who were all super amazing skiers, and I would just go take lessons and and then he decided to learn how to telemark ski because that made him a worse skier, right? So it set him back so we could sort of ski similar things. And then I just kept taking lessons and got better and really loved skiing after that. Oh, that's so exciting. I think one of the things that's intimidating, I'm a skier and I my husband is a snowboarder. So we've tried to, 
I guess, not be good at the other person's sport just to remember like, oh, this is hard and this is how it is when you're first starting out because it's easy. I think once you get in that comfort zone of a, of a new sport like skiing, it's easy to think, oh, gosh, come on, this is easy, you know, but I think as both he and I were teaching our children how to ski, it's hard <laughs> and you forget that when you're good. Yeah, that, that's really true. And actually, I think sometimes when you're teaching the kids, you learn the things that you're screwing up and and you learn some really good drills to work on. That's been one of the fun things about teaching our kids is that I keep learning new skills to work on. And that's tricky. I taught all of our kids to ski. My husband is a, still a snowboarder and he never transitioned over to skiing. So that's tricky, too. I remember the day that we have three kids that ski. And the day my last child was completely independent and kind of passed our test of being able to do the S curves and the stops and, you know, skiing in control, it was like, oh my gosh, it's been 10 years of me skiing with a child. It's kind of liberating almost. Oh yeah. That's so amazing. That's the, the best feeling is when your whole family is just out there skiing, you know, not on the bunny slopes either, but just skiing something medium challenging. It's, it's amazing. And you also have been a climber. I mean, you talk about some pretty epic climbs as well. Tell us, is that something you and your husband were doing before children? Do you still do those things with kids today? So when I was in graduate school living in in Madison, I ended up uh, working at REI there. And a bunch of my friends from REI took me climbing and introduced me to the Women's Climbing Club at the gym in Madison. And so I really really got into climbing there. That was my favorite sport after starting grad school. And I I climbed in Yosemite. You know, I climbed in, in an area near Madison at Devil's Lake. And that was my passion. And when I moved to California, I joined the local climbing gym and that's where I met my husband. You know, I was probably a more experienced, better climber than him at that point. So he would take me skiing and I would take him climbing. And we just had fun doing all sorts of climbs there. That's awesome. I had a high school course called Outdoor Adventure, and we were able to go to Devil's Lake Climbing. It is actually, it's pretty awesome to have that experience I don't think many people think Wisconsin is very bluffy or rock climbing type material, but I mean, it's different than climbing in California, but that's a really awesome experience. And I love that your husband had to like not be as good as you are. (laughs) That makes me, that makes me smile a little bit. Yeah, it was really fun having each of us have uh, different things that we're better at. And I wanted to say that I did not realize how good I had it having Devil's Lake 45 minutes from Madison. Because when I moved to California, I thought it's great. It's awesome. You have the mountains out here. But there was nothing that great 45 minutes from the Bay Area. So yeah. I still I still miss it. Definitely. So, okay, now you have children. <laughs> Matt, I think we have a similar story here, right, where I didn't want to leave all of those awesome epic adventures that I had done all my life behind. So how did you just start? I know you had children around the same time I did, and I would agree there just was not a lot of resources online. I felt like I was figuring this all out on my own. So where did you guys start with kids, and what were some of your first steps into adventure with kids? Yeah, probably the first step was I remember taking our daughter backpacking when she was nine months old. And back then, like you said, there's nothing out there. You know, people I talked to like thought we were kind of crazy. And so because of all that, I, I felt intimidated. But one thing was my husband and I had both taken wilderness first responder training. So we had that and I felt, you know, some confidence from the wilderness first aid medicine side of things. So we just stayed really conservative and just did like a two mile hike in to a little lake. And it's so hard because summertime and she was just awake wanting to party all night long in the tent. And um, 
but but it was a perfect introduction to going out there. And then we just kept doing small little backpacking trips every year. And, you know, we probably pushed her to try climbing uh, sooner than we really should have. But that was sort of how we started. So your daughter tried climbing soon, too? How old was she? Uh, I mean, we were trying to put her on stuff since like, since she could walk. The, the funny thing is, is that, you know, I mean, I'm sure you see it, too. Kids like what they like. And for whatever reason, she does not like climbing. Oh, funny. <laughs> So we don't really climb so much anymore, but you have to, you have to do what works for your family and you have to adjust and, and accept that. And it's, it's really hard to accept that sometimes. Yeah. But that is what it is. Yeah. I think that has been, but you don't want to lose that part of yourself either. I found that as a mama, now my kids are at that age where I'm like, now I'm getting back into mom adventures where, you know, I could pick up some of the things that I, I probably won't do with my kids. I don't want to lose that sense of adventure with my kids, but I'm having to rediscover some of those old parts of myself again. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But also, I guess I also feel like what our passions and what we feel as adventure changes over time. So I love rock climbing, but I've also I've come to terms with the fact that we're not going to go on these epic multi-pitch climbs all the time right now. That's just not the phase that we're in. And and so what I do is I go to the climbing gym. I found a gym that was near my work and I would just go at lunchtime and they had these auto belay systems and I could just get a whole ton of climbing in in 30 minutes and leave. And, you know, maybe when my kids are older, we'll start rock climbing more outside together later. But for right now, we're doing backpacking and biking and skiing. And that's just sort of the phase we're in right now. Yeah, I actually really like that advice because I do think who you are evolves as your story evolves, right? It's not like well, that's who I was. I was a rock climber and that's who will always be a part of my story. Well, that could be true, but I think there's this notion in life that you have this set path and that's the path you have to stay on. But especially when you have kids, it's I have found it as a mom almost equally, if not more exciting to lean into their adventure passions and the things they really enjoy. And probably I'm exposed to things that I wouldn't have signed up for unless it was their passion that was really drawing us to it. So I kind of like that idea too, that you can leave some of those old things behind as your story evolves or do the things that really light you up and bring you together with your child. Yeah, that's really true. It's you know, I like skiing, but I haven't, I was never as passionate about it as before. And since my daughter's been on the ski team for four years, there's a, there's an adult ski team. And so I go to my adult ski team and practice all these drills. And she goes to her kid's ski team and does all these drills. And it's, you know, something that I wouldn't have gotten into quite as deep probably without her, but it's been really fun. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I know there's a couple of things I'm curious now about because my kids have been involved in things. So that's always a fun way to learn how to adventure as parents, I think, too. I want to dive into a resource that you've been curating. And I have looked through it. And it's just, it's so full of information. But I know it could be more. So let's just dive into, if you're okay with switching over to the Outdoor Kid Handbook. What was the motivation to create this resource? And tell the audience and the listeners a little bit more about what the intention was behind it. Yeah, so my intention was to to just create a place where I could collate information, honestly, to help me figure out what's out there too. Because there, there's a lot of great outdoor blogs out there, um, especially ones that review gear. But I just really wanted like one like one place where you could just go get the basic information or even more than the basic information on, on doing a whole bunch of different sports. Because 
you know, there, there are people out there who are super into rock climbing and that's just what they do with their family. They rock climb and they do nothing else and they've dialed it in. They figured it out um, how to do it with their family. But but, you know, for me, I, I really like sort of dabbling in different things. And it's really hard when you have kids to go figure out the logistics of doing something else. And so if I could just compile the information on how to get going on each of those sports in one place, I felt like it would be helpful to me and hopefully it would be helpful to other people. And the intention was to have this not be focused on gear reviews, because I think outdoor websites just get so focused on which gear you buy. And I think with kids, it doesn't matter. They can be wearing, you know, whatever random sneakers and they can still go hike five miles. You know, in a perfect world, they have quick dry clothing and everything. But honestly, I mean, I've hiked kids with with kids in cotton and it's been totally fine. So that was my intention. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think I have found there's this bend in just from the travel lens of things, everything felt like it was influencer driven, as opposed to just learning and growth and trying something, you know, you don't necessarily, the gear is far less important than the doing. And I appreciated that about your site too, is that the gear is helpful, but it's not required in order to just get out the door and do something. So I appreciate that. And I applaud you for that kind of lens in this work, because it's very easy to get caught up in the having the right stuff, we can get caught up in perfection and making it look right rather than actually doing the activity and learning together. That's awesome. And you have quite a list of things, but I also was really intrigued by this connection to other people. So is the intention to build out a community around it or just to simply connect families with similar interests? I think there's a lot of great communities out there and I don't, most of the outdoor parents that I found who do like lots of activities with their families they really are gravitating around Facebook. And my intention isn't to go necessarily try to create a whole new community because that's really challenging. I did end up setting up the site as a wiki. I've been working on it for a few years, playing on it now and then. And finally, I realized, you know what, I don't have all the information. And honestly, I don't want this to be my take on everything. I've learned a lot by reading posts in these Facebook groups and things. And I thought maybe we could just make it a wiki and then anybody who has something to add can add to it. And that way it's really crowdsourced, not just my point of view. Yes, I love that. It feels very in line with like the Sherpa mentality of you might be one step ahead in others, but other people are going to be one step ahead of you and they have assets or resources to share. (laughs) And I I just love that concept of a crowdsource resource because like you said, I'm not an expert either. (laughs) I'm just the voice that's bringing everybody together on this podcast. So if someone was wanting to contribute, how do they go about doing that? Let's get into the just a little of the technical stuff. Because when you go to the site, it's kind of like, oh, this is interesting. (laughs) I want to learn more, but I don't know what to do. And I don't want to break anything. If a listener today wanted to engage or contribute or support this work, what would they do? So from the main page, there's a link to the wiki, which is just wiki.outdoorkidhandbook.com. And then on the top left, you just have to register. And then you can go edit any of the pages. And I know it's kind of intimidating to edit a wiki page. I didn't know how to do it. So there is under the section that says, do you want to help make this community better? There is a page editing tips section. So, I mean, the key thing is just how to a couple formatting tips for how to make bullet points and simple things. But other than that, I mean, if you fix, if you break something, I'll, I'll fix it. Just message me. <laughs> it keeps revision histories. You can go back. So don't be afraid to break something. 
I know you asked me to contribute some things and I've got a lot of ideas. It's just a matter now of getting it down. I always joke. I'm like, oh, my things aren't share worthy. And I don't mean it. Like I talk through ideas a lot and I keep notes in a thousand different places. So I have to get up there and just write down my thoughts, I guess, on some of the uh, places we've been and tips that I have as well. Oh, that'd be awesome. You have it broken down by different activities. So do you want to highlight some of the topics and then different ways people can find information? Yes, I do have a, I'm going to call a general advice page, which is where I put things that are applicable to lots of different sports. And that includes like safety stuff, uh, when to start, sort of when is a good time to start per kid, because I do think that starting too early on some sports with some kids can sort of ruin it for them a little bit. And that includes a section on outdoor life balance and how to how the heck do we make time for all this while we're both working two jobs. But then under the activities, I have backpacking, camping, climbing, cycling, hiking, paddling, snow sports, and travel pretty much anything people would want. There's an option there. I appreciate your insights because as much as I want to just get out the door, it is helpful if this isn't something you're comfortable with or you're kind of making your own space in adventure and it wasn't natural to you as a kid. If you weren't brought up as like an adventurous family, it can be really intimidating. So I really appreciate when someone's willing to share just simple tips If I was to ask you, what is a lesson you've learned in balancing work and life and adventure, what would you say? How how are you making it happen in your family life? Uh, Well, I started off the journey with, honestly, because I love organizing things and optimizing things and continuous improvement, just figuring out how we can optimize getting out the door as quickly as possible and just optimizing our camping setup, our backpacking setup, and Don't bring lots of gear. Just bring what you need because the more that you bring, the longer it takes and the less likely you are to do it. So that was what I really focused on. But I've been interviewing a whole bunch of parents and learning how they do it and how they fit things into their lives. And I sort of see it breaking down into sort of three different categories. And one is for the families that just get out there a ton, they just live near where they want to go, you know, go frequently. They just live really close to there. Then they just can get out out the door, 45 minutes, they're wherever they're playing and they're having fun. The second category is when you don't have two full-time working parents or you have parents with flexible work schedules. I think those kind of parents, like one person who's not working full-time can go pack the car while the other person is working and then you can get out of town easily. And the other people I know, the people who both work full-time and get out of town, they don't do much besides outdoor stuff. They are just ready to go at all times. They're off camping, climbing, doing stuff. And they've optimized to do their grocery shopping on the weekdays and laundry on the weekdays. And they just get out of town on Friday. And they don't have sports teams for their kids. They don't, they don't go to birthday parties on the weekends, that kind of thing. That's fascinating because I think it does mean you have to make some choices to make this a part of your life. And I think it's a it's a combination of things, right? Sometimes you just need to get outside and prioritize that. I really appreciate it. I have found too is if we can make it simple, we're more likely to do it. You say your comment related to just don't bring us so much stuff. We've learned that too. Just the amount of times we've packed travel, it, it could be anything, camping, the amount of times we have overpacked. And even when I think I've cut it down in half after the initial packing session, I still have way too much stuff. So the amount of stuff people actually need to adventure is actually quite minimal. So I think we can overthink it and we become our own biggest barrier in some cases because we make it harder than it really needs to be. 
But those tips are really helpful. So I appreciate you adding those insights. Yeah, it's definitely true that things, the more you bring the, and, and sometimes the nicer place you stay. So, you know, I was thinking about this earlier is that, so we would go skiing every two weekends and we would stay in a hotel or we'd rent a condo from friends. When you go, you bring all this extra stuff because you're staying in a big place. And when you leave, you have to tidy up the condo and clean it up and everything. And so what we ended up doing to make it easier was we made a sleeping system for our minivan. So we converted the van, we call it the Skiana, and we have beds for four people in there. And we would drive up Saturday morning. It takes you know three and a half hours to get there. And then we ski all day. We go out to eat at the restaurant at night and we just pass out and sleep in the van till the next morning. We get up and go ski and drive home. And that actually made things easier, less cleaning, less organization, and it saved time. I love it. Yeah. Simplify. I love simplifying things. Yeah. We found that simple thing. It seems a little unconventional. And I also think when you lean into those things, like there, here's an opportunity. You optimized a system that wasn't working for you, that was adding more stress. You optimize it. You might not, it might not seem normal to most people, but who cares? When you embrace that, that becomes a superpower. And I wish more people would embrace the opportunities that aren't normal, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Yeah. yeah. And I think some of it is just embracing a little bit of discomfort, because I do think that when you have kids, you know, everything becomes hard. You know, this huge transition to having kids, you try to get the discomfort out of your life any way you can. But we really need to embrace some level of discomfort, some level of kid crying. Like one time I went on a climbing trip to Yosemite with our kids and my daughter forgot her shoes. And she had no shoes except climbing shoes. And we made it work, right? I mean, if you're so paranoid all the time that you're going to just forget something and it takes three extra hours to pack, whereas, you know, one time out of 10, you forget your shoes, eh, it works out okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've had a very similar story where we went camping and I, my son didn't have shoes on. He, we, we went to get out of the car and I was like, <laughs> where are your shoes? And he's like, uh, oh, and I was like, oh my gosh. So I either had like Crocs for water play or I had hiking shoes packed. I don't remember, but I did end up finding a pair of shoes, but it was not ideal, whichever <laughs> it was, because we weren't having, yeah, it's just different and you figure it out and it works. And quite honestly, sometimes when that happens, when those uncomfortable moments happen, they make some of the greatest memories too, because you don't forget the time that my little guy forgot his shoes, you know, similar to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> funny. If I have a parent who's listening to this and they're thinking, gosh, I wish I could be like Martha, what would you say <laughs> to them? What would be your advice to just start to think that, yes, you can actually adventure with kids? I would just say start camping and start either camping or hiking because I feel like they're both gateway adventures and just make it a habit and make it get a system developed to do it because the first few times are super hard and don't be surprised. That's just the way it is because you're still figuring things out, you know, things go wrong and figure out a system to do those two things. And they'll be like the gateway to considering backpacking and considering, you know, going on more trips. I appreciate that. I read a study and I, this is a long time ago, but it was like, I want to say almost like 50% of kids have never camped because the parents are too afraid that it's going to be too hard or they're not going to be the expert or they're not going to be able to do it right. And I think your comment, just do it, know that it's going to be hard and embrace that hardness or that discomfort and just try it. I think anyone out there who wants to try it should do it at some point. Yeah, agreed. And then just know, just be ready for something terrible to go wrong. <laughs> Maybe not terrible, something minor to go wrong. 
and don't feel like a failure when it does because something's going to totally go wrong. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, if something went wrong, there's always someone, I will say this adventure community, this, you know, whenever we've been out in the wilderness with kids, people are very generous and willing to help us out. Or we had a camper issue one time, people stopped and as nine times out of 10, we've had a very generous solution happen because someone was willing to help us in that moment of like, oh my gosh, how is this happening? <laughs> kind of failure moment. Yeah, that's that's really true. And that's actually one thing we really like about camping with other friends. And, you know, we have some friends who they are awesome because they organize a group camping trip a couple times a year. And, you know, we we've forgotten propane, we've forgotten shoes, you know, we've forgotten a bunch of things. And together with the group of families, somebody's always got something and the kids are always playing and having a great time. Yeah, great memories, great community. It's a uh... It's definitely worth trying, that's for sure, if you haven't. Martha, if people want to find out about Outdoor Kid Handbook, they want to follow you, they want to connect with you, what is the best way? How can people find you and connect with you after this? Yeah, so the best way is to read the website and hopefully contribute a bit to the wiki. I also have a Facebook page uh, for Outdoor Kid Handbook. And one thing I like to do there is I post a daily inspirational article for getting your kids out there. So that, I do that every every day, and then I'll post it as a blog post if you prefer RSS feed and uh, reading it that way. Awesome. And I have all of this will be linked in the show notes. So anyone, if you're listening and you can't write those websites down, will be in the show notes. Other than that, thank you, Martha. This was such a great, just eye-opening way for us to connect, to contribute, but also just to get out there and see what is available and start adventuring with your kids. Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It was really great talking with you. I loved this conversation with Martha, and I just think she has so many great insights, not only into practical adventures that she's experienced, both independently with her husband and with her kids, but also insights about the process that, you know, it's not always easy. So I have 10 key takeaways from this episode. Number one, sometimes inspiration for adventures come decades before we're ready. Don't overlook that pull of the adventure dream that once was. Number two, partners can have complementary but different adventure skill sets. It's kind of fun to learn something new and complement your partner. Number three, teaching the kids can also enhance your own skills or encourage you to take the next step. Number four, your adventure story might evolve over time. Kids like what they like, and you have to do what works for your family and adjust. Number five, hiking and camping are great gateway adventures to start adventuring with kids. They're great starting points and things will go wrong and it's okay. The entry points also require little gear and less planning. Number six, leaning into our kids' adventure passions is a great way to test what your future story might be. It's okay to leave behind something that no longer is serving you, but also find a way to embrace the old part of you in a different light. Number seven, the Outdoor Kid Handbook is designed for others to contribute and to support families while crowdsourcing outdoor adventure activities. I'm putting a link for that in the show notes, and I'd like you as a listener of Ordinary Sherpa to think about how might you contribute to the Outdoor Kid Handbook. Number eight, the resource isn't focused on gear because realistically, it doesn't matter. The gear is far less important than the doing. 
Number nine, when considering her own way to prioritize outdoor adventures, the idea for her was to optimize getting out the door as soon as possible, and that meant don't bring so much stuff. However, in interviewing other parents, the themes of proximity or living close to where you want to adventure, having the flexibility of one parent getting ready while the other one is working, and doing and prioritizing outdoor adventures over other choices or reducing the amount of choices your family has for activities. Number 10, embrace the discomfort. Everything from lodging to not having shoes. Make the best of what you have. Sometimes the greatest failures and the greatest discomforts create the best memories. I hope you found something valuable. I hope you're willing to help Martha build out this Outdoor Kid Handbook. I hope you go over and find something that might help serve your family to take the next step, to try something new, something uncomfortable, and enjoy connecting over a new adventure value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.